Welcome to church. This morning we're continuing our sermon series, DIY Faith. Through the series, we'll be exploring God's blueprints for our lives. Pastor Doug is sharing his message, Avoiding DIY Disasters. If you're new here, we'd love to get you connected with our community. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199 and we'll respond right back. Check out our bulletin if you want to see what's happening here at Calvary. On it, you can find more information about the ministries and events coming up that we'd love for you to be a part of. We're so glad you could join us today. Praise God. Good morning. We have two more light bulbs on this morning. Two more people came to, to Christ. That's always an awesome thing to celebrate. So welcome if you're joining us online. Uh, welcome if you're here in person, obviously welcome. Uh, I think some people have been enjoying a little bit of heat relief these last couple days. Just be glad. Okay, just be glad it's not 1931. When we had a temperature of 43.3 degrees in Alberta or 110 degrees Fahrenheit. And I was in Redding, California with two of my kids uh, 10 years ago or so. And it was 48 degrees Celsius, which was almost 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And when you actually walked on the black tarmac in parking lots and stuff, your feet would leave little indents in the, in the parking lot because it was so hot. So if you're new this morning, uh, we can't even begin to tell you how thrilled we are to have you join us <clears throat> and be part of our family and community today. Uh, maybe your kids have started at Millwood Christian School, or maybe you're just, uh, you've moved into the area and you're checking us out, or maybe someone invited you this morning. Whatever the reason is, we're so thrilled that you can join us and be part of our community uh, today. Please let us know if there's anything we can do to, to help you and your family or, or serve you and your family. So if it's your first time here, or you're newer and you've never received our free gift, we have a very special mochaccina, passion fruit, low-fat, extra whipped cream, Italian soda, chai latte, hold the ice, drink for you and your family members. So just stop by our welcome area at the back and fill out a, a guest card and you're set to go. And in just two weeks, as Pastor Bev mentioned, on September 11th, 9-11, ooh, it sounds so ominous, doesn't it? Well, we're having our family fall kickoff, our back-to-school party and, and barbecue with free food, and we're going to have a giant inflatable obstacle course and bouncy castles and a soccer game out there, and very importantly, the commissioning of Pastor Barry and Lorianne. Uh, they send their greetings, by the way, this morning. They had to be in Saskatchewan today, but uh, they'll rejoin us next week. 
And um, so invite friends, neighbors, relatives. Invite people who don't think that church is fun, okay? We want to change their opinion of that. Or invite someone you haven't seen at church in a while. It's going to be an awesome Sunday. So I'm Pastor Doug, and we're continuing our series called DIY Faith, and the title of my message this morning is Avoiding DIY Disasters, and we're going to be looking at James chapter 4. So Canada's own Mike Holmes is arguably the best-known handyman and DIY disaster fixer in the world. Can you see the resemblance I mean, can you see it? Other than the hair and, you know, the tattoos and and maybe the bulging mass of muscles. But, honey, my muscles are that big, aren't they? Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. So, interestingly enough, he got his start in the television and, and fame when he was invited to build a set for a Canadian TV series. And this program was going to focus on um, homeowners doing their own DIY repairs. And he thought it was a horrible idea. So he talked to the producer and said, after 35 years in construction, I have seen hundreds of disasters by well-intentioned but clueless amateur renovators who thought they were experts. So he was hired soon after that, and millions of people around the world have seen his shows, they've bought his book, they've heard him speak in person, they've listened to his podcast. And because of his commitment to make it right, that's his trademark, make it right, And because he's followed building codes and not taken shortcuts and not bent the rules, he was named Reader's Digest second most trusted Canadian and Forbes magazine's third most trusted celebrity. So in James chapter 4 this morning, he's going to lay out several principles for us to avoid DIY faith disasters. And he's going to show us how we can make it right if we have messed up. Um, So let's pray and then we'll jump in. So Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I wish it was this light, fluffy topic. But God, it's it's serious in many ways because all of us have been here. All of us have made these mistakes and made these messes. So speak to us through your word. Show us how we can... Um, Father, properly respond, and we can fix some of these things in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the four very common areas that we're going to look at this morning um, that'll help us avoid DIY disasters with God are, number one, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. Uh, Verses one to three. The second area is, who's got your back? Who's got your back? Verses four to six. Verses 7 to 10, go low to go high. And finally, verses 11 and 12, you are not Judge Judy. Okay? That might come as a surprise to some of you, but... Okay, number one, it's not all about you. So this first very important area that we're going to look at is this. When life is all about me, all about you which is kind of the irony of this entire series, do it yourself, we make a disaster. Wow, where do I start personally? 
in my life, especially in my marriage, if I decide to indulge in me in an ungodly or unhealthy or selfish way, look out. Nothing has resulted in more hurt, more damage than this. And you may say, well, everything I do, I go to work, I work long hours, or I stay at home with my 16 kids, and everything I do is for someone else. It's for my husband or my wife or my parents or, or my kids. Sure, but how's your heart? How's your heart? Because even when all our time is spent on others, we can become huge martyrs and make everything all about us. Trust me, I spent far too much time in that country. So to put chapter 4 in proper context, we actually need to start with the end of chapter 3. Speaking of chapter 3, didn't Pastor Bev do an awesome job last, night, last week? It was very convicting, very good message on watching our, our tongues. So James in chapter 3 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, in other words, when it's all about you, it's all about me, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving. It's considerate of others. It's submissive to others. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere towards others. Peacemakers who sow in peace shall reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, godly wisdom is not all about you. It's not all about me. But instead, godly wisdom puts other people first. James then starts off chapter 4 like this. Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from the selfish desires that make war inside of you. You want things, but you don't get them. So you kill and are jealous of others. But you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight. You don't get what you want because you don't ask God. Or when you ask, you don't receive anything because the reason you ask is wrong. You only want to use it for your own selfish, self-centered pleasure. How many of you have heard of the War of the Whiskers? Any history teachers here? The War of the Whiskers. What about the War of the Oaken Bucket? Or the War of Jenkins' Ear? That's one of my favorites. I haven't either, but these are actual wars that were fought between countries. Now, James starts chapter 4 talking about a serious war that takes place. But it's not between nations Instead, it's inside all of us. This battle that rages in us tragically and embarrassingly leads to collateral damage affecting and hurting others, especially in the church. And this eternal war raged from the very beginning of time when Lucifer was the most glorious 
angel, yet he still desired God's throne. What he didn't have and what he couldn't have. And then Adam and Eve in the beautiful garden with all their needs wonderfully met still desired what they didn't have and what they couldn't have. That same battle agonizes inside of us. James goes on to say, when it's all about me, when it's all about me, when I don't get my way, I have jealousy and envy and possibly even murder in my heart. And I think, I hope, I can safely say that likely no one here would actually follow through with murder. However, Jesus says in Matthew 5 that we will be judged for even having an attitude of anger or unforgiveness or wishing someone dead. James says that when we selfishly want what others have or... I think this is even more true. When we want to bend others to our will, or we want something so bad, and when it doesn't happen, and when we can't have those selfish desires we want, we get angry and we have a DIY disaster on our hands. So the good news is there is a fix for this. So DIY fix number one, James says, you do not have because you do not ask it of God. Or you ask God for something and you do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your own hedonistic, selfish desires. So... Three points here to DIY fix number one. Number one, examine our hearts and motives. Ask God to examine our hearts and motives. Be honest. Be transparent. Number two, repent for sinful and unselfish motives. Repent for them. And number three, go back to God and ask him correctly. 1 John says, Beloved, if our heart does not convict us of guilt, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. And we receive from him whatever we ask because we carefully and consistently keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight, habitually seeking to follow his plan for us. So the fix is in. The fix is when it's no longer all about us. Instead, we're putting God and others first and not ourselves. We're keeping his commandments by loving him and loving others. Our hearts are right. And God says, then we receive from him whatever we ask. That's pretty powerful. You know, this isn't a vending machine verse. This isn't a name it, claim it verse. This is a very conditional verse based on putting God first. Here's another beautiful picture of what it looks like. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. 
Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. We were in Georgia several years ago visiting family and we noticed entire buildings and vehicles all along the road that were almost like they were made completely out of vines. And the Japanese kudzu vine is unique because it's so tightly meshed and woven together that it literally blocks out the sun and it's almost impossible to stop. So Jesus is saying that when our heart and his heart are so tightly woven together, so in sync, and we've surrendered our harmful and our selfish motives, then his will becomes our will, and our will becomes his will, so that God will give us what we ask for. God literally gives us the desires of our heart at that point because they are pure and they are so aligned with his heart. This is one of the huge keys to answered prayer because we are no lo- it's no longer about us. It's about God and his will. So number two, who's got your back? James, in verse 4 to 6, says, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend, a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The second DIY disaster happens when we align ourselves with the wrong team, when we hire the wrong subcontractor. It was about 15 years ago or so that we decided to have some major renovations done and on the advice of some very good friends, we hired a contractor who in turn hired experienced tradesmen to work with him. Sounds great so far, right? Well, one small little detail. These tradesmen were all actually homeless and in rehab for substance abuse. What could possibly go wrong? Now, in fairness, each and every one of these men was polite and talented and just trying to be productive and get back on their feet. The problem, it turns out, was with the contractor himself, who in many ways was sadly more broken than these precious men he was trying to help. I'm so thankful that my wife was there to supervise and saved many, many mistakes and problems. In the end, his addictions led to a pretty nasty confrontation and us having to fire him. And we also had to pay someone else to come in and fix some of the disasters that were made. 
So we learned an invaluable lesson about picking the right team to have your back. We actually have some amazing tradespeople and contractors right here in our congregation that are, that are full of, of uh, integrity and great skill. So who's got your back? Who's got your back? Is it God? Or is it the securities and the pleasures of this world? So James is not referring to literal adultery. Rather, he's talking about spiritual infidelity. He's talking, about, he's talking to Christ followers who had experienced God's incredible love and forgiveness and mercy. And yet they kept going back to what their flesh selfishly wanted. You cannot have your precious relationship with God and yet keep trying to enjoy worldly sinful distractions. James uses a very strong and significant word, which is the word enemy. The Greek word for enemy here is ekthros, which is a military term to describe two kingdoms at war with each other and full of animosity and antagonism. So the meaning of enemy here is extremely clear. It's a picture of a hostile force. But the way James uses it is unique. He's talking about God's feelings and emotions towards one of his children that has turned away from his love and mercy and has transferred their heart, transferred their passions and their devotion to the world and the things of the world. He's very strong here in conveying the message that if a believer chooses to make their friendship and intimacy with the world instead of with God, God takes it personally and feels as if we are declaring war against him. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for either they will hate the one and love the other, or they will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, meaning money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Any relationship that is of any significance in our lives requires time, requires attention, requires energy, requires money. I can't tell you how much money I've spent on I'm sorry gifts. A lot. What takes the most time, attention, energy, and money in your life? Can you truthfully say that you are giving God the highest priority? Or honestly, are other pursuits like leisure and possessions and entertainment, even sin, dominating your time and energy? Now, I get it. I totally get it. There are seasons in our lives where our time and our energy and our resources are focused on raising a family or caring for elderly parents or starting a new job or, or a business. 
But I'm not talking about seasons here. I'm talking about the very passions and desires of your heart. The good news is there's a DIY fix number two. James says, they say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God is so in love with each and every one of you. And God is so passionate about each and every one of you that he will not share you with the world. And that doesn't mean that life isn't pleasurable for us and that we can't enjoy it and even have nice things. It means where is your heart at? Where is your heart at? So grace and humility are the keys to fixing this disaster. Grace and humility are the keys to fixing this disaster. It's a humbling privilege, if you think about it, to have a relationship, even a close friendship, with the God of this universe. Someone who is so grand and so big and so large, and yet someone who cares about every little detail of our lives, as it tells us in the Psalms. 1 Corinthians 2.9 tells us that we can't even begin to imagine or fathom the incredible things that God has for those who love him and for those who choose him. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God has our back, who can ever be against us? We have a choice of who has our back. We have the unbelievable privilege of friendship with God, which makes us humble, or friendship with the world that makes us horribly proud. God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. Therefore, choose wisely. The third area is go low to go high. Verses 7 to 10 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So the theme of humility uh, continues here. So does the theme of two choices. We see loyalty towards God or towards the world. We see we resist the devil or God resists us. God resists the proud. When we are forever stuck between two choices, God versus the world or our flesh, when we can't make up our mind, when we can't commit, when we try and stay on the fence, it's a huge problem. 
The Bible calls it being double-minded, and it's all about pride. Jesus addresses this so strongly when he says, So because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless, ouch, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. You cannot stay in the middle. You cannot play both sides. So we have DIY fix number three. So glad God provides a way out to these situations. Number one, lower our pride. Lower our pride. Number two, submit to God and resist the devil. Number three, repent for being double-minded, being wishy-washy. And number three, choose to humble ourselves before him. So cool here that the Greek word submit means to put in order underneath. To put in order underneath. So when we lower our pride and we humble ourselves before God, we put our lives in order under God. And then he lifts us up. Then and only then have we gone low so we can go high. The fourth area is you are not Judge Judy. My youngest daughter, Brittany, is such a black and white law and order personality that she, if she could, would watch nothing but border security and Judge Judy reruns continuously. James says in 11 and 12, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other. Hello? then you're criticized and judging God's laws. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you or I have to judge our neighbor? It's pretty serious stuff. You know, according to Mike Holmes, one of the most common and serious DIY disasters is when an amateur attempts to build their own deck. Very rarely does it work out. It's almost always leaning one way or the other or falling over it or, or it leads to serious leakage and or foundation problems. Area four, this area of Judging is one of the most common and serious DIY disasters for Christians. It is this area of judging and criticizing and gossiping about other Christians or leaders that is so wrong. James addresses this judging issue several times in the book because it had been such an issue in the church. I have several conversations or receive several emails about this topic more than anything else, and it always involves Christians judging other Christians, and the conversation goes like this. 
Pastor Doug, did you know that so-and-so said this and believes this? It's heresy. I'm like, really? Wow. Which, which book of theirs did you read this in? Oh, I would never read one of their books. Oh, then which podcast or YouTube video did you watch or listen to and heard them say this? Oh, I would never listen to one of their podcasts or watch one of their videos. Oh, okay, so when did you visit your, their church and hear them say this? Oh, I would never visit their church. So then I say, well, I'm a little puzzled. I'm a little confused. How did you come to this conclusion about them? Pastor Doug, I read what other people said about them on the internet. Seriously, this is not an uncommon discussion. Can you imagine if people judged you and I based on what other people said about us, having never even met us or talked to us? And yet as Christians, we do this all the time. It's not okay. I never used to be a big fan of a certain huge Christian author and speaker. He just bugged me, and I disagreed with his views on certain doctrines, but he was leading many more people to Christ than me. He was preaching the gospel. He was helping the poor. Even if I didn't completely agree with what he said and how he said it, eventually God changed my perspective on him completely. Do you know if you Google any famous uh, Christian leader or any famous Christian author or ministry and you put the word heresy in there with you, you will find dirt. I guarantee it. Let me read you something. I have many authors on my bookshelf and I thought, I'm going to try this. I'm going to test this out. I'm going to Google their name and I'm going to put heresy in there as well. So, Andy Stanley tries to defend his heresy. Henry Blackaby, dangerous teaching exposed. Dr. David Jeremiah's shocking apostasy. Max Lucado's heresies and ecumenical confusion. Jensen Franklin creating his own false narrative. And then some Heroes of the faith, Dr. A.W. Tozer, false prophet, holy heresy, A.B. Simpson, and finally, probably the most precious and innocent of ever, ever, any man who's ever preached the gospel, it says that time Billy Graham preached universalism and became a heretic. It's awful. It's really quite awful. And I've heard several criticisms lately from multiple sources of one female speaker, author in particular, who has been accused of heresy and false teaching and all the usual stuff. And yet her testimony of being redeemed from being assaulted and abused for years by her father and then forgiving him Caring for him as he was dying and leading him to Christ. Come on. Her testimony of forgiveness and healing and redemption has ministered to many men and women in our congregation and around the world. So if she's not your thing, that's okay. 
But have many been healed from brokenness because of her ministry? Yes. Have many come to Christ through her ministry? Of course. James is saying that if we are judging, criticizing, gossiping about other Christians, it is evil. I recently heard some heartbreaking stories about multiple different individuals in our churches who found themselves objects of horrible gossip and were absolutely heartbroken when we're criticizing and gossiping behind people's backs, especially our brothers and sisters. We are guilty of judging. This is not okay. Jesus in Matthew 7.1 tells us not to judge others for the very reason that we are not judged ourselves by God. Romans 2 verses 1 says, So you think that you can judge these other people? You're wrong. You too are guilty of sin. You judge them, but you do the same things they do. So when you judge them, you're really condemning yourself. But pastor, but pastor, I'm not judging. I'm discerning. I'm protecting the body of Christ. There's a very fine line between discernment and judging. And that is why God has placed pastors and elders in the church for discernment. So, again, a very tough area. Um, I wish I could just preach fluffy stuff, but how do we fix this very common issue that we've all been guilty of at times? How do we fix it? Well, James says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. So number one, as Pastor Bev shared an amazing message last week, tame your tongue. If you haven't listened to it, I recommend you do. Number one, tame your tongue. Keep your mouth shut. Number two, stop criticizing, stop gossiping, stop judging. Number three, obey the law, not the 600 different rules and regulations of the Old Testament, but what Jesus said to love God and to love others. I have wonderful news for you today. God has just taken off the pressure for you to be Judge Judy. Jesus says, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I love you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. How much better is it to walk in love and encourage one another? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Paul says, so encourage each other and help each other grow stronger in faith. To wrap up this morning, Mike Holmes said in his book that the most important lesson he learned from his father wasn't about wiring, wasn't about plumbing, wasn't about carpentry, wasn't about drywall. It was about doing things right. It was about who you were as a person and how you treated others. 
This morning, we've looked at four disasters we can make if we truly try and do it yourself without God. We've also looked at four ways to avoid or fix those disasters. Number one, it's not all about you. Make sure you're putting God and others first. Number two, who's got your back? Make sure that our hearts and passions are completely towards God and not the world. Number three, go low to go high. Make sure we're walking in God's humility and God's grace. And number four, judge Judy isn't God, neither are we. We aren't to judge others, we're only to love and encourage each other. Amen? Do you still love me this morning? (laughs) Okay, Uh, let's stand this morning. I know all of these areas definitely have applied to me, and I hope God spoke to you about some of them as well. And like I said, um, I've created some disasters in my life at some times. God's still fixing some of those things. And I know you could say the same thing, but the wonderful news this morning is we can humble ourselves before God, we can repent, we can ask for his forgiveness, and we can receive his grace to do better. Amen? Amen. We can and must do much better with his grace and strength. Let's bow our heads. Father, I know you convicted me in these areas this morning. I pray that for others, Father, who've been tempted to to do things themselves and to, Father, that their passions and their um, heart has been turned towards the things of the world, not of you, and God, who have not walked in humility and grace, and, and God, who have judged others, other fellow Christians, maybe they've gossiped about someone, a brother or sister in church, or they've been critical of other ministers or ministries, or whatever the case, Father, help us to only love and encourage one another. And so, God, we ask for each one of us that, that you would forgive us. We repent of when we have done things our own way, when we have been critical or, or judgmental. Father, when we've been full of pride, Father, when we've chosen the world over choosing you, God, forgive us this day, we pray. And there might be people here this morning in person or watching online, and you say, my whole life has been a do-it-yourself disaster. And right now, I need a total renovation of my life. I need a fresh start It's time to invite Jesus Christ into your life, into your heart, into your world so he can help you fix those messes you created. So I'm going to pray and and I invite anyone who feels this way to pray along with me. You can just do it quietly. Jesus, I'm sorry for doing things my own way. I'm sorry for the mess I've made. Please forgive me. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sins, for my mistakes, for my bad choices. Jesus, come into my heart and my life and my world today to give me a brand new start, a fresh start, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
So if you prayed that this morning or you're like, wow, I'd like to, to ask some questions about that or find out more about that, there's two ways you can text LIFE to the number you see on the screen or you're welcome to come up and pray with us afterwards, but um, I'd like to invite you to uh, fellowship afterwards. We're just going to close in prayer here in a second, but yeah, please downstairs we have food and fellowship and volunteers, if you can volunteer for September 11th, uh, that would be awesome. So, Father, thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that your word brings. Yes, your word might bring correction, but it always brings hope. And we thank you that you love us and care for us so much. I pray a blessing on each person today as we leave this place, as we go out into the world. May our light shine brightly for Jesus Christ. And just keep us all safe this week, this week we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, do not hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website, Facebook, or on YouTube and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.